please join me in prayer. Your spirit grabs our souls in that music, Lord Jesus. Somehow it breathes in without uh, taking away. It, it breathes in and brings life and vitality. We pray that in these moments ahead that you would reinvigorate our souls, that we would just have, say, 20 minutes, Lord, out of schedules and calendars and hurry, and that we would find rest and invigoration as well in your word and in the community of uh, the saints gathered here this morning. Thanks for music, for how deeply it reaches, and for words that bring life. In Jesus' name. A young pastor went to go talk to an older guy to get some advice on how to be a big cheese. Young pastors like to think about being pastors of big churches. And they dream about that, at least they did for a couple generations. Now it's a little bit of a different thing. Um, this pastor had read a book from a gentleman and uh, just sent him a letter because in those days that's what you did is you sent letters. You didn't necessarily have instant access to everything. So he sent him a letter and the gentleman sent him back with the phone number and said, give me a call. And so the young pastor went out to see the older pastor out north of the San Fernando Valley in between Simi and San Fernando. And it was uh, in, in Box Canyon, which is just where the Lone Ranger was uh, filmed and, and other westerns in the 40s and 50s. It's also where Charles Manson's family lived and those kind of things. So it's kind of this odd, weird settlement of people. But as the young pastor got to the older pastor's house, it was like one of the homes from Glendale had just been kind of lifted up and put down picket fence and all right there in the middle of nowhere. So the pastor knocked on the door and the older gentleman said, I'm glad you're here. Uh, come on in. And and there were books and stuff strewn everywhere, the story goes. And uh, There was an old air conditioner running on a hot August day and just a little bit of air just kind of as the chainsaw motor went in the back of that air conditioner. So the young pastor was all fired up. He was sitting with his mentor. He's trying to figure it out. He said, he said, I, I want to be the best pastor I could possibly be. I want to be the, I want to be the guy. I want, to, I want to make it happen. I want to have a name of renown. I want, to, I want to be the guy. The older gentleman sat back in his dilapidated, threadbare recliner, took a deep breath, and he said, one thing. He said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Pastor, young man, shook his head and said, great, and number two is, and he leaned back in the recliner, he put his hands over his tummy, and he said, young man, one thing, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. For hurry is the enemy of the soul. Fascinating. We talk about our bodies. We almost have a cultic piece to that. We, we, we run, we mountain bike, we do all those things. We, we almost have an obsession with consumerism and what we have to buy in a little cult of that. But, but so little do we talk about soul. We don't talk about our own souls. We 
We kind of operate like human doings instead of human beings struggling with all of the calendars and all of the stuff we got to do rather than sucking in the blessing of the Lord through that marvelous song and finding a benefit for our soul. For if the soul is out of whack and the inner man is out of whack, then goodness gracious, the whole life Look with me, if you will, at Psalm 103, beginning at verse 1. That's on page 485, I believe, in your uh, pew Bible. And you may want to keep your finger there because there's a, a beautiful, beautiful piece to that, a, almost like a, a hymnic piece from David. And uh, Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. My translation is old, <laughs> which makes me feel good. But uh, this is uh, Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. Five. Again, I think it's page 485 in your, in your pew Bible. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. We live at a time where there are different cults, and I don't mean like Christian sects and splits off of Christianity and bizarre. I mean like cults that we're invited to participate in that, that, that aren't bizarre. And then we get into them and our soul kind of gets sucked dry and we say, why am I so tired? Why am I so worried? Why am I so broke? Why am I so anxious? The first cult is the cult of consumption, where we define our lives by what we have and what we purchase. And the problem with that is that it only deals with the outside of the, of the human being. It only deals with that, 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 that part of what we can possess and hold on to. Sometimes we think it feeds our soul, but it only provides more anxiety Anxious about what we eat or where we eat, what we drink or where we eat, what we wear and the tag or sticker on it. And the cult of consumption is more about what things look like than the way things really are. The cult of consumption is more like worried about keeping up with other people and making sure that us and me and my have everything that I want. Not only what I need, but what I want. And man, we are hip deep in that culture in Southern California. No question about it. I recently purchased a Ford F-150 and I thought it was really cool until my friend purchased one that had a V8. And he comes up to me and goes, nice truck, V6, huh? Like, oh, you're killing me, right? Because the cult of consumption is all about comparing one to another. So you have a V6, I've got a V8. Or you've got a V8, I've got a V6, but I've got a Ford and you've got a Chevy. I have a Tommy Bahama shirt I'm wearing after shirts and it looks like you have your Walmart special, right? That's the cult of consumption. And what that drives is a sense of anxiety and worry and competition that drains our soul and calls us to live for self and self first and then if there's something left over, maybe to help somebody else. That's the first cult, the cult of consumption. The second one is the cult of the outer life. 
And I illustrate this with a young man who about 10 years ago I met at a funeral up in Northern California. A gentleman had died who was very, very well connected, very, very wealthy, beloved in this whole area, in this whole region. He had died sitting in a chair and, and died very, very young. I believe he was late 50s, uh, had heart problems, but he was beloved. And his funeral was huge. And in this building, it was in this language. And in that building, it was in this language. And in that building. And the people who worked for him loved him. Whether it was people who worked on the line or in the management or executives, they loved him. Whether they drove truck or a forklift, they loved this gentleman. The funeral was stirring and moving and powerful. And I remember a friend and a relative walk up to me after the funeral and said, well, that's it. He's dead. He's buried. Time to move on. And I thought, well, he died a week ago. He's not even buried yet, but aren't you sad? Isn't your soul at least a little squeezed or shaken? It was so soulless, so heartless, so cold. I thought to myself, I thought, this person who you knew provided so much that you never have to work again in your life. See, that's holding on to the outside while the inside breaks. It's saying, we're all fine and we're all good and it don't matter. I can handle that. I'm strong. I'm tough. I got it made. No big deal, right? No big deal. I can have, punch me in the mouth, knock my teeth out. I'll smile. I'll say it's great. The cult of the outer life is painting a smile on when the inside is breaking. The cult of the outer life is making sure we're fine, fit, and fastened down even when everything else is falling apart. That too drains the soul and leads to a life of anxiety because we feel our energy and our strength kind of going down the tube because it takes a lot of energy to be able to play that game. Some people make a lifetime out of it. The third is the cult of anxiety and fear. And I want to keep moving on this one just very simply. It seems like our society now is, is, is dead set on making people anxious about the future. I've been starting to download more podcasts and more things and listening to them on the, on the, on the fly, whether I'm on my bike or whatever, rather than listening to the radio or, or stream things on the uh, internet. And uh, it used to be a generation ago, even I would sit with the register and read the paper. But now everywhere I go, I've got the news on. I sit in the doctor's office and I see CNN, I go to the pizza place and have a salad and I see Fox News. And I do. <laughs> you know, and, and, and no matter where you go, whatever bar, whatever restaurant, you got the news or whatever on, or, or you might even have a soccer game on with a ticker underneath it to remind you what's going on. I don't know about you, but that's not. That anxiety drains our souls leaves them empty and worn out, fearful. And all those cults are focused on stuff on the outside, stuff that people see. They're, they're, they're focused on the outer life and how things look without a lot of regard for what's really going on. And it's hard to say in any one of those three cults, I hurt, I'm tired, I'm struggling, I'm broken, I'm lost, I'm 
And the biggest commonality is that they're all about self. Finish these sentences for if you want to be assured of this. If you're empty, you need to fulfill yourself. If you're stressed out, you need to learn how to take care of yourself. If you're on a job interview, you have to believe in yourself. If you're at the tattoo parlor, which many of you will be after church, you must learn to express yourself. If someone dares criticize you, you have to love yourself. If you're not getting your way, you need to stand up for yourself. What should you do when you're on a date? You should be yourself, right? And so we come on to Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5, thinking that we are bigger than just self. We are people with bodies and souls. We are not ghosts kind of floating around. We are not robotrons that God made and set into motion. We are complete beings made in the image of God, restored in the image of God through faith in Christ. You are. You are an eternal being with an eternal soul. At least that's why you're here. You are an eternal being with an eternal soul. Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. And crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. David says, remember. Remember that he forgives you. Your past is made right in Christ the things of our past that would cast a shadow of guilt or shame on our past deeds, whatever and wherever we've been, find resolution in Jesus Christ. You are right with God through Christ on the cross. God is not angry with you. God is not mad at you. God is not ticked off. God doesn't wake up and say, well, I think I'm going to stick it to you today because this is where you've been. Rather, God is rich in mercy. He redeems our lives. He crowns us with love and compassion. That's the gospel. That's the good news that renews not just the mind, but it renews the soul and drives away anxiety and replaces anxiety with faith and hope and this marvelous trust in God that says, there's something more than me, Lord, and I trust you to make that real, that I can live that out in my life. Remember he forgives your sins and remember that he heals your diseases. All your diseases. There's two families I'm thinking of who are not here this morning. One's at a local hospital and one's at a hospital a little farther away and they're making a decision this morning about what to do. We pull the plug. We just turn off the water. We just turn off the nutrition. Do we, what are we going to do? He heals all their diseases. Cancer, leukemia, COPD, he heals all your diseases. 
Some of those healings find resolution here and now. Doctors, nurses, technologies, medication, all of those things. And, and there are people who would have died of cancer years ago that now live and find mar marvelous lives internally and externally be, be because they, they found healing. And praise God for that. And praise God for the healing that comes in eternity. For the people who are with Jesus who overcame cancer by going to be with the Lord, whose diseases were healed as they sat at the feet of Jesus, who wiped away every tear from their eye. You see, forget not all his benefits. Remember that he heals all your diseases, some here and now and some there in eternity. But one day, all disease and all death and all that stuff will be wiped out. And that soul renewing and soul restoring Remember that he redeems and satisfies. He redeems your life from the pit. You have been purchased for more than consumption. You have been redeemed more than a tag on a car or a tag on a Tommy Bahama shirt. There is something more to you than exercising. There is something more to you than money, shopping, possessing. He has redeemed you to find a life of satisfaction in loving, relating, sharing, caring, serving, and living outside of self for God and others. And when you're consumed with anxiety and worry, come back to the fact that you have been redeemed in Christ. When your soul is tired, breathe in the spirit of the living God and the good news that you are more than a self. You are a soul. You are an eternal being with an eternal destiny that has been redeemed in Christ. In rural places like uh, where many of our ancestors came from, they're, they're, it, it came from snowy places. I had a guy grab me this week and we were walking through here. Dr. Hardy was playing the organ and, and he says, how did people get here. And I'm like, oh, come on, let's just go have some food at Avalos. Do I have to go through this? Well, you know, five blocks away from here, there were German families who came and they wanted to have a church. They wanted to do their thing. And so they came. And if you say the name Bosch or Amling or Bredehoft or Suter, everyone nods and goes, yeah, they were the first ones. And he goes, yeah, but where did they come from? And I said, well, it's cold and horrible. <laughs> Minnesota, Wisconsin, Kansas. Oh, Missouri. Oh, Ohio, Indiana, Wisconsin, ugh. North and South Dakota, Nebraska. What does they call us? Jason called Dean calls us flyover states. It's where my family's from. Sometimes in the winter, they would in, in, in extreme places where it really snow blue and cold, where, where the Swedish farmers even lived, um, they would tie a rope from the back door to the barn. And the farmer would go out to do whatever he had to do, typically milk the cows or feed the cows or whatever, whatever had to be done. He would go do that in the barn. And then sometimes the wind and the snow would blow so hard that you couldn't see from the barn to the house. And occasionally there would be a farmer who would not have put that rope up, who would get turned around and disoriented in the wind and the snow and end up frozen in the field or on the road or in the yard or wherever. 
So farmers then began, say from here to the balcony, to put the rope in and, and do their thing. It's just the way you did it. And as long as you had your hand on the rope, you were in good, good shape. You see, the cult of self it creates such dissonance and, and such disarray, like the snow blowing across a, a North Dakota farm lot. And sometimes we lose our mooring and we, and, and we forget where we're at. That's why this morning becomes so powerful. That's why regular worship becomes so powerful. Because this is where we say, hang on to the rope. We've got a rope tied from the back of this sanctuary to the front of your house, to the front of your job. And when your soul is deprived and when your soul is tired and when you're anxious and consumed with all of this stuff blowing through your life, hold on to that rope and go hand over hand and footstep by footstep back to Jesus. And forget not all his benefits, who redeems your life, who fills you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good People in our culture are lost. I get it. Don't let go of the rope. So I'm pretty much done. But I want to leave you where we started 20 minutes ago. Eh, Maybe a little longer than that. If you were to come into my office tomorrow and say, Pastor Tim, your message resonated with me and man, am I struggling. I would let you talk because I'm trained to do that. Then I'd probably ask you a few questions and I'd smile at you and I'd lean back in my big oxblood red pastor chair and I would say, For the sake of your soul, you need to ruthlessly remove hurry from your life. Because hurry drains your soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name and forget not all his benefits it's good for your soul amen Amen. it's so good to be together today lord The, the the people who don't ever get this just flat out don't get it in any way shape or form and 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 yet you call us to a life that is externally focused on people, but internally driven with love and, and a soul. So for those families making tough calls today, I thank you that you've filled their souls with good things and pray that your spirit would guide and bless them and, and the community of saints would rally around them as, as they make the decisions of life and death. I pray for each young person just looking at the calendar, seeing school starting and circling that and thinking, Oh, my word, what am I going to do? I pray that as those schedules mount and as the anxiety mounts, as the, the, the bank accounts are drained for back to school and all of the stuff that goes, that you would grant peace and rest and alleviate that anxiety. 
Help us together to hang on to that rope of faith and to follow after our Savior. All this we gather in Jesus' name. Amen.